Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite, where we talk about yoga in its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm your host, Yogacharya O'Brien, and today our topic is Spiritual Lessons from Paramahansa Yogananda, Experiences of a Devoted Disciple. And we are especially blessed on this day to be joined by my spiritual teacher, my guru, Roy Eugene Davis, who will be sharing his experiences with Paramahansa Yogananda. Roy Eugene Davis is one of the last living direct disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda and is an internationally known spiritual teacher and author, bringing the teachings of Kriya Yoga to thousands of students worldwide for more than 65 years. He's published many books on the teachings of Kriya Yoga and spiritually awakened living um, that have been translated into more than 10 languages. And he has continuously published the bi-monthly magazine Truth Journal for over 60 years. And today we're going to be focusing on and drawing from his book, Paramahansa Yogananda as I Knew Him, um, which is now in its revised second edition. Mr. Davis is the founder of Center for Spiritual Awareness in Lakemont, Georgia, where there is a um, beautiful retreat center in the mountains. And you can find out more about his work at csa-davis.org. That's csa hyphen davis.org. Uh, welcome to the Yoga Hour, Roy Eugene Davis. I'm so delighted uh, that you're with us today. Yeah, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you and to be with the listeners who tune in to the Yoga Hour. Thank you. Before we begin our conversation, let's just have a moment uh, of centering, a little taste of meditation. In this moment, let's just pause, intentionally opening our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, contemplating one reality that is called by many names, as the support and the substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, let us know this absolute reality is expressing as us, as you, as me, as everyone, everything within us, around us, between us. 
in this moment, simply direct your attention to move from the periphery of awareness into the depths of your being. And we can do that just easily and simply by using our breath, awareness of our breath, and noticing its natural flow. So with your in-breath, feel that you are diving within into the infinite, unbounded essence of being, your true self. And with the out-breath, just relax and let go. So as simple as that, breathing in, feel that you are diving within, becoming aware of the unbounded, infinite nature of your essential self, breathing out, letting go, relaxing, And with just a moment of centering like this, we can become aware that we are the witness of our thoughts and our feelings. We can notice peace within us that is unconditional, that is there always regardless of circumstances. Peace within us. In this moment, we just touch that peace, we become aware of it, and we invite that peace to permeate the mind, the mental field. And we intend to take the awareness of that peace with us wherever we go. We prepare ourselves now for this conversation ahead as we have the opportunity to share with Roy Eugene Davis. Peace, peace, peace. Again, welcome, Roy Eugene Davis, and I always appreciate the opportunity to share with you on the Yoga Hour. And today, of course, is a very special day for initiates in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, um, because this is the day that marks the anniversary of the, uh, we call Mahasamadhi of Paramahansa Yogananda, the conscious passing from the body in 1952. So this is the 67th uh, anniversary of that time. So it's a particularly meaningful day and um, I'm grateful that you're with us and we can have this opportunity <clears throat> to speak about the um, life of Paramahansa Yogananda, how he influenced your life, and of course, his teachings that are continuing to bless people all over the world. And uh, one of the um, very special um, 
things that we have <clears throat> today is this revised edition of the book that you wrote called Paramahansa Yogananda, As I Knew Him, Experiences and Reflections of a Disciple. And um, people can find this book on your website, csadavis.org. But tell us um, what what uh, drew you to write a revised uh, edition of this book and how does how does the new edition differ from the first one that you wrote? Right. Well, thank you. The first edition was published about 15 years ago. And uh, then over the years, my understanding has improved in some of the some of the about in regard to some of the philosophical principles. And also, I wanted to smooth out some of the the uh, sentence structure in the first part of the book where I where I explain my uh, experiences with Paramahansa Yogananda in 1950, 50, 51, and, and early 52. And uh, so I made some mi- mi- minor changes in, the, in that part of the text. Then I added more questions and answers in the middle of, book, of the book. And then I added a much longer uh, a, a glossary in the back, uh, dealing with more than 100 philosophical principles and uh, Sanskrit and English uh, terms or words that are commonly used by people who are involved in yoga practices. So it's more comprehensive in the first edition and it's in the quality paper paperback so the price is a little lower so more people can afford it. The first edition went through uh, six other translations, uh, two Hindi and Tamil in India, and uh, Italian and uh, Spanish and German, and and recently uh, a uh, an addition in uh, Turkish language. But uh, this new one, I think, is uh, more comprehensive as far as uh, information that's provided. One of the things that I noticed uh, in the new edition is the wonderful um, uh, introduction uh, to the new edition. And um, one of the things that you stress in in there um, that I think is so important and that we rarely get to see is how it is that many conditions on Earth are improving. And, um, you know, it made me think about uh, the the work of uh, Yogananda's guru, Sri Yukteswar, in, in writing his book, The Holy Science, when he talked about, you know, this awakening, a spiritual awakening on our planet occurring, you know, over time. And uh, in the introduction to the second edition, you know, you, 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 you quote um, many ways in which we can see that even though there, are, of course, are problems on Earth today, life is actually improving and there are more people, uh, less people interested in um, religion per se, but more people interested in spirituality and spiritual awakening. And so uh, I think the, the readers reading that introduction are going to be encouraged Hopefully, yes, that's the idea. As you say, there are many challenges that we have to currently address, and we will, will I'm sure. But the long-range long uh, vision is very good. And uh, so I see, uh, I, I see a great opportunity for being optimistic and, and forward-looking in a very positive way in the years ahead. Uh, of course, we have global warming, and we have 
some economic challenges in some parts of the world, and we have political unrest, but I think these problems can be solved. I think we are more than adequate to meet any challenge that might arise. And if we can consider that we are here in this world, not only to contribute, uh, nurture our own spiritual growth, but also to contribute to the well-being of of other people in the in the world and to the environment, I think then we can have uh, uh, several higher purposes uh, in life uh, that uh, provide value to us and to others. John, one of the things that you've uh, always stressed um, in your teaching is that, you know, of course, there are many good things that we can do in the world, but, you know, the thing that we most need to attend to is this uh, spiritual awakening, this change in consciousness that is going to help us um, deal with these uh, challenges that we have. And and really, it's only that fundamental shift in um, awakening to the truth of our being that that will be the solution. Yeah. And we still can see on, on, on a worldwide basis, as you uh, touched upon a, few, a moment ago, that there's incre- there is an increasing number of people uh, who are interested in spirituality, not just uh, traditional religious views, but in, in bringing forth their innate divine qualities and also understanding higher realities and the... Uh, uh, the, the Processes in the cosmos that that are supportive and supportive and nourishing. So more people are awakening to this, and it's very good to see. Mm. So, and when I, you I, um, when you met Paramahansa Yogananda, it was 1949, a yeah. very different time um, than the times we are living in today. So um, it's such a it's such an inspiring uh, story to hear about. You know how how you came to meet Paramahansa Yogananda. You know how did that happen? <laughs> yes, Must have, I think it was destiny because. I was born in 1931, right after the start of the, what is called the Great Depression, and then uh, in the in the early 40s, of course, we had the uh, the war years, and uh, then. Uh, but at a very early age, I had a strong religious uh, impulse to uh, have a relationship with with God and uh, to know what God was, and I went with my parents to a fundamentalist church, and by the ten, uh, time I was 10 years old, I realized that the traditions and the uh, teachings of that particular uh, religious uh, or, or Christian sect uh, was not uh, uh, useful for me. It was uh, uh, old-fashioned, really, and unrealistic. So in my early teens, I began to borrow books from the county library uh, on world religions and psychology, and began to read w- widely. And whenever I read, as I did occasionally, about someone who was spiritually enlightened, or about spiritual enlightenment as a possibility, I responded to that with the with that that feeling of, "Oh, that's that's real. I can accomplish that." I didn't think to myself, "Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful?" must be wonderful for other people. I identified with it. And then when I was in the 10th grade, 
I happened to come across two books uh, in which uh, yoga philosophy was uh, described, and uh, I was attracted to the uh, explanations of practices of, uh, as you know, the various classical yogas, uh, Hatha Yoga, which is very popular with millions of people today, the postures and and the, and the breathing procedures and other other methods. Uh, but also there's uh, Bhakti Yoga, the Yoga of, of Love and Devotion, uh, Karma Yoga, the, the the way of self selfless constructive action without attachment to the actions or the results of actions, and then Jnana Yoga, the the way of uh, discernment, uh, intellectual discernment, and then Raja Yoga, the way of uh, meditation, and then. Uh, so I began to practice Hatha Yoga and tried to meditate. Of course, I wasn't very effective at doing it at that time. And then when I was 19 in the spring of that year, I was reading through a health magazine, and I saw an ad for Autobiography of a Yogi, and I ordered it by mail. And I knew that when I read it, that was my contact with the author Pramukhya Yogananda because he was so wise and uh, uh, explained everything so clearly and I just felt uh, good about the, about about him and what he what he wrote and so I resolved at that time I was still in my senior year in high school I resolved that when I uh, was gra- after I was graduated I would go to California and meet him and uh, so I did. Later that year, in November, I left home and first went to Florida, thinking that I would get a job and make some money and then travel to California. I grew up on a farm and didn't have a lot of financial resources. But uh, after a few weeks in Florida, I uh, realized that uh, I wasn't going to make a lot of money very fast and I'd better get on with my project. And so I hitchhiked from Tampa, Florida, to Los Angeles in December of 1949. I don't recommend hitchhiking today, but that's what I did. And I got out to California in uh, eight days, and I arrived at the headquarters of the Self-Realization Fellowship on December 23, uh, and... uh, Met Matt Yogananda that very first evening. It was like I had a had an appointment. I, no one knew I was coming. I didn't write a note and say I'm on the way. I just went. But I arrived about six o'clock in the evening, and the uh, the male um, monastic trainees, the uh, yoga students, uh, there were about a, two dozen at the time. Uh, there at headquarters were having supper, and they invited me to join them. And then after that, a uh, senior, senior monk, Donald Walters, who many years later became Swami Kriyananda and developed the Ananda community movement, uh, he, he took me up to the uh, uh, ground floor level. The, I, we had been eating down in the kitchen in the basement. took me up to the ground floor level and asked me questions. And while we were talking, Yogananda came through the room on the way out to his car. 
And uh, so I had a chance to meet him within an hour after I arrived. That and must have been that must have been absolutely thrilling to to see to and, see and, him and and I'm I'm guessing that that moment just remains uh, in your heart and in your mind like it was that very first time. And it was but it was a very natural, very natural meeting. It was like I already knew him. And uh, I remember he walked over to where I was standing in the room, and he shook my hand very gently. And his first question was, how old are you? And when I told Mm -hmm. him I was 18, he asked, do your parents know you're here? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said it was all right that I was there, that there wouldn't be any problem. And he touched me on the forehead lightly, and he said, I'll talk to you again. And he went out to his car. Mm. And the next day we had an all-day meditation, or six-hour meditation. I couldn't meditate intensively like the others who were trained, but I could sit in, sit there and enjoy the environment and the experience. And there was devotional chanting and quiet times, and Yogananda would now and then talk a little bit. And then on the next day was Christmas Day. That was a Sunday. And uh, I went down to Hollywood, too, the Hollywood SRF Temple, to hear Yogananda present the Sunday morning sermon lesson. And then that afternoon, he uh, it was arranged for me to see him privately for a few minutes. And at that time, I asked if I could be his disciple and stay. And he said, yes, I could. And that's how I started. It, it, it worked out beautifully. And so I was there six weeks at the international headquarters of Self-Realization Fellowship and had an opportunity to see Yogananda several times a week informally when he would come out on the grounds and talk with the, with the, with the, the male disciples. And then uh, in the middle of February, he uh, told me that, he, that they had a branch center in Phoenix and they needed some help over there and that uh, he wanted me to go there. And, but to come back to California to see him every uh, 60 days, spend a few days wherever he was, and uh, have personal contact with him. So that's how, it, that's how I got over to Phoenix. Uh, he simply said, I, want, I would like you to go to Phoenix. We have a project there where you'll fit in very nicely. And what it was, it was a goat dairy. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was wise and knew, knew he was sending a, a farm boy <laughs> to help with the goat dairy. But also, as you have shared in your books, um, it was also such a, a, a useful environment for you because it allowed you to have such... Uh, time, private time for study and uh, meditation, and um, that that all you know really was supportive for you in those early days. Yeah. Um, before we go to the break, um, and you and you, of course, you have described you know how this unfolded so gracefully, um, so beautifully, really, um, from that first um, soul inspiration upon reading his book. But w- what was it that that really helped you know that you had made the right decision uh, thought, to leave home and to go all the way to Los Angeles and to you know, begin this new life, really, with Paramahansa Yogananda? What, what, what helped you know that was the right thing for you? It, it just felt right. I prayed about it, of course, and thought about it. But uh, from my middle teenage years, I, 
I had this calling, this sense of uh, inner direction that when I got older as a, as an adult, I would travel the world and speak of God. And I, I don't know where that came from. It came from the inside. No one told me uh, or encouraged me in that direction. In fact, when I was uh, doing my soul searching in my uh, teenage years, I never told anyone about my aspirations or dreams, hopes and dreams or anything. It was all private. I kept it to myself. And but I had this inner feeling that I was called to perform some service and to be a servant, and uh, that was my that was my uh, my uh, my inner guidance. And when I read Yogananda's book, I felt that that, that was the contact for me, and it worked out uh, that it was. I uh, I spent uh, over in Arizona. After the first year of the church business project, the goat dairy didn't work out, and it was sold. Then I was transferred to the center, the teaching center in Phoenix, and uh, assisted the minister. That is, I backed him up. I mowed the grass and answered the phone and kept the building clean and so on. And uh, then now and then, substituted for him when he had to go to California on church business, and then, uh, within uh, a year after that, uh, Yogananda uh, ordained me mm-hmm. and, and, and told me that I was to represent this work. But I, I knew that I wasn't ready to go forth and be a teacher at that time. But he did this about five months before he passed. Mm. And, and, uh, and, he, and it just seems so clear, you know, looking back, of course, how aware he was of his work going forward into the future and and to, to think about, you know, how that has happened uh, over the decades since his passing. Uh, you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Roy Eugene Davis, an internationally known spiritual teacher author and a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. The book we're uh, focusing on today and, and drawing from is Paramahansa Yogananda as I knew him and it is the second uh, revised edition of the book telling uh, about this experience of what it was like to meet Paramahansa Yogananda and uh, about the teachings that that he offered. You can find out more about Mr. Davis and his work, his books, and speaking schedule at his website, csa-davis.org. And if you're listening in real time today on March 7th, 2019, want to uh, let you know that he will be teaching in San Jose at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. Uh, he'll be with us for an all-day seminar on Saturday, March 23rd. Also, the e- Friday evening, we'll have an informal time with him on March 22nd. You can find out about that at, on our website at csecenter.org. That's csecenter.org. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll hear more about the observations and reflections about Parmahans Yogananda from his direct disciple, Mr. Davis. We'll be right back. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm. As we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Are you a spiritual explorer? Enrich your journey by engaging in inspiring and uplifting online courses starting now. Powered by Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute's world-class online learning management system, you can join in live or study at your own pace in the comfort of your home. Check out courses and topics like mindfulness meditation, grief management, spiritual growth, and a lot more. Get help and support to achieve your dreams. Find out more by going to unity.org slash spiritual explorers today. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and... My guest today is my spiritual teacher, my guru, Roy Eugene Davis. 
um, who is the author of many books on the teachings of Kriya Yoga, including the book that we're drawing from today, Paramahansa Yogananda, as I knew him. This book is now in its second revised edition, and uh, it's highly recommended. Um, you know, the story is very moving, of course, at Mr. Davis's meeting with Paramahansa Yogananda, but also it includes um, an in-depth um, teachings about Kriya Yoga practices and philosophy. You can find out more about Roy Eugene Davis and his work at csa-davis.org. Um, you mentioned in the first uh, segment about the various forms of classical yoga. I talked a bit about Hatha yoga, but about yoga of devotion, yoga of wisdom or discernment, um, karma yoga, yoga of uh, selfless service. Um, but we we learn that, of course, Yogananda brought this form of yoga called Kriya Yoga, um, which can sound kind of exotic. <laughs> so tell us, what is Kriya Yoga and how does it fit into these categories of the forms of what would be called classical yoga? Yeah. Uh, Kriya Yoga is not included in the listing of the so-called classical yogas, but uh, it's a matter of emphasis. Using the best, uh, <coughs> best methods of all of the all of the classical yoga systems, <coughs> and the word Kriya is a Sanskrit word, <coughs> pardon me, and it simply means action or process. Uh, the thing that we do to accomplish our useful purposes <clears throat> and the things that spontaneously happen that contribute to our spiritual awakening. And the word yoga <clears throat> actually means to bring together, hold together, really, our awareness and attention with our pure essence of being. So yogic practices or kriyas can result in yoga or self-realization of our uh, essence of being, and that's the whole purpose of the of the practice of yoga. So again, <clears throat> Kriya Yoga is not a a separate yoga system, but it is the it is the u- using of the best or the most effective procedures of all of the yoga systems, and. Uh, Many people don't know that Kriya Yoga includes all of the positive things we have to do, it includes self-discipline, it includes profound study and examination of our true nature, it includes transcendence or rising above the small, confined sense of self or ego. Uh, Many people who've read autobiography of a yogi, for instance, write me uh, letters or send me emails, and they ask to be uh, for me to teach them Kriya Yoga, and uh, I know, I almost invariably know what they mean. They mean, well, I teach them a certain breathing uh, process, a pranayama, that Yogananda referred to as Kriya Yoga, but is actually only one of many. Kriyas. So when I tell them that complete Kriya Yoga includes disciplined thinking and behavior, profound self-examination of your of the inner nature, 
and transcendence are rising above the smaller illusional sense of self, they are, are surprised because they thought <laughs> all they had to do was learn to breathe. Certain, <laughs> yeah, it's way. really a very comprehensive system, you know, that, that, as you say, includes elements of these classical systems of mm-hmm. yoga. And and I have always liked that, you know, there's there's something for everybody, you know, whether you are intellectually inclined or devotionally inclined. Um, Kriya Yoga is really about leading a spiritually conscious, balanced life. So it also helps us balance those uh, different uh, qualities. And, you know, I, I've i had, you know, such a, a blessed uh, life to study with you for so many years, having met you in 1979. This is the 40th um, anniversary for me this year of, of meeting you. And... Um, you know, I have so appreciated your steadfast uh, devotion, dedication to making uh, the teachings of Kriya Yoga and what your guru offered you available and accessible to people and uh, and in a very um, practical way, you know, the, the way that you, you live that demonstrates it and what you have written for us is um, so often, you know, just good sense, right? Yeah. About just, just lead a spiritually conscious, disciplined, healthy lifestyle. So, you know, you certainly have shown me why it is helpful um, to have a guru, um, to have a spiritual teacher who can point you in the right direction you know, we especially live in a time when there's so much information available. Um, people can get on the internet and Google, you know, Kriya Yoga or whatever they want to find out, but it can it can be confusing. So um, tell us a little bit about why it was helpful for you and why it may be helpful, you know, for others to have a spiritual teacher or a guru. Well, of course, the word guru simply means, means teacher. And... Uh... If we have a teacher, we should be willing to engage in discipleship practices. And the word disciple is derived from the word Latin word, which simply means student or or learner. So if we are willing to learn uh, and we have a qualified teacher, a teacher who knows what it is we want to know and who can guide us in a in a uh, useful way, that can be helpful. Now, I I know that with the millions of people today worldwide uh, who are aspire to self-realization, uh, they're not, it's, it's not possible for everyone to have a long-term personal relationship with a teacher uh, who can uh, day by day and month, month by month year by year guide them, but uh, they can be attracted perhaps to a teaching that is pure and uh, ideal for them and uh, in that way acquire the information they need to proceed with the the nurturing of their spiritual uh, qualities. And uh, yogis also say that the real guru is within. This doesn't mean that having a, a teacher in the flesh with whom we can communicate is, is not useful, but it means eventually we have to go deep within to find that uh, deepest level of our essence 
where all knowledge of uh, the infinite is already is present to be uh, unveiled and revealed. But uh, so it, spiritual awakening really is a process of self-revelation. We become more uh, conscious, our awareness becomes more clarified, our intellectual powers improve, but then our uh, the qualities and the knowledge within us becomes unveiled and spontaneously revealed. And then we recognize these occasions of revelation as spiritual awakenings or occasions of enlightenment. And, of course, the word enlightenment simply means to be enlightened means to have knowledge, not information only, but to have actual knowledge of something. And when we have knowledge of what we are as spiritual beings and what that ultimate reality people call God is that has an absolute or pure aspect without beginning, without end, and always is what it is, and it also has an expressive aspect with energetic characteristics with which manifest universes. When we comprehend that and experience that, uh, that is realization. So self-realization first, realizing our, our, our essence, what we are, and then God-realization or realization of this ultimate reality. And uh, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, in my relationship with him, uh, always encouraged me to awaken fully in this current incarnation. And he told me I could do it. And uh, he encouraged me in that way. When I was with him personally, uh, as I frequently was, uh, he never discussed religious traditions with me. Uh, He always emphasized live right, serve right, meditate, aspire to be self-realized, do everything possible to allow that realization to uh, uh, to be to occur and uh, do it in this incarnation. Do it this time around. Not, don't put it off until some future time. And so that's how he, he encouraged me. And of course, I had I had in him too the example of a person who was self-realized because when you were with Paramahansa Yogananda, he was so sweet-natured and gentle and patient and wise uh, and uh, supportive. But there was always a, a when I was with him an awareness of a, of a larger presence, a reality that he, that he embodied. And he, uh, you could feel that when you were with him, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was that was a, that was the the silent blessing. Mm. Uh, That's a yeah, I can feel it just as you as you describe it, and um, you know what a blessing, um, of course, to have known him and to mm-hmm. have experienced that. 
Um, and that um, encouragement, you know, which we we find, you know, at the heart of uh, true teachings, which is, you know, you, you are that the 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 truth you are seeking is is to be found within your own nature, and um, to have that as your goal, um, and to, as you say, not delay, not put it off, not think that it isn't for you, and so much of uh, yoga practice is really, you know, as you have taught me, arranging conditions in our life so that we can remain focused on that goal and we don't become so distracted um, by outer things and things that are not uh, as important. And um, so uh, I have found Kriya Yoga, as you have shared it with me, to be a very practical path. And it seems that, that Yogananda uh, shared it with you in that way as well. This is a practical way to live. Yes. Uh, a person doesn't even have to have a strong religious impulse to derive benefits from Kriya Yoga practice. If they will simply do what is recommended, think right, eat right, be disciplined, uh, live in harmony with the rhythms of life uh, or, the, or nature really, meditate on a regular schedule in the right way, uh, in a period of time they're going to experience positive results. I remember Paramahansa telling me and others one time of an experience he had in the early 1920s, as you know, when he came to this country in 1920 for the first uh, 15 years or so, he traveled extensively and talked in more than 100 cities to large audiences sometimes stay in town for a month and lecture and conduct classes. And uh, he told the story one time a man uh, approached him after one of his lectures and said, Swami, I, I enjoy being with you and hearing you speak, but how do I know that what you teach will be of any benefit to me in the long run? And uh, so the master said, uh, you do what I tell you to do. You live as I tell you to live for six months and then come back and tell me the results you have. Mm -hmm. He knew that if a person will do practical things in the right way for several months, they have to have positive results. If you think yeah. right, eat right. And it, and it seems like, um, you know, that it doesn't necessarily take that long, you know, as you were saying, you know, for that short period of time, people can begin to have insights, you know, into their, their true nature, um, can begin to have uh, some spontaneous uh, revelation of that. And then, of course, uh, there's the the longer, uh, the long haul of learning to, to live, uh, in the highest way, really learning to live with that truth of our being and experience, uh, progressive unfoldment of our, uh, essential nature. So it, do you, do you see that that's kind of how it works as well? Yeah. And, uh, for, for, most, for most people, it does require time for the psychological transformation and integration of, of uh, insights and discoveries to be blended with our personality and our behavior. But if we are intentional and, and patiently focused and continue to live as we uh, know is the best way to live, as the years go by, we're going to become more and more uh, healthy-minded and spiritually conscious 
And of course, recent recent study that universities uh, studies with volunteers uh, find out what changes can occur when people meditate effectively by using uh, modern methods of brain scanning devices and so on, uh, have indicated that sometimes in as little as six weeks of regular meditation that uh, they can that the researchers can notice positive changes in the front region of the brain of meditators in contrast to people who are not meditators and uh, so there are definite physiological uh, as well as psychological changes that occur uh, that uh, when when we do do these positive things I remember back in the early 1950s, Paramahansa Yogananda emphasizing that meditation will develop your brain. Well, that wasn't known as a result of experimentation uh, until several decades later, uh, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. But uh, now it is known that the brain can be changed uh, constructively. Uh, And also there's articles just recently in Scientific American magazine, and also I saw one the other night on my iPad while I was just browsing uh, their articles about the benefits of uh, regu- regulated breathing, uh, that, how it affects the brain and the nervous system, so that we can, by slow regulated breathing, we can activate what is called the parasympathetic aspect of our total nervous system, which has, which, which is uh, responsible really or associated with uh, stress, stress reduction, mental calmness, emotional stability, peace of mind, and uh, as in contrast to the, uh, the sympathetic aspect of the nervous system, which is uh, associated with what is called the flight or fight response when we are aroused emotionally because of a threat of some kind or a perceived threat and we have an, have an adrenaline rush and uh, uh, so we, when that happens slow, gentle rhythmic breathing can bring into, bring into play the, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system influences and counterbalance that stress, uh, those stress symptoms. Mm-hmm. So there, this is this has been researched, and of course, it's been known for for a long time by some people, but it's only recently that it's been more highly publicized. Yeah, it's know, really sure. it's encouraging that those scientific uh, studies are are proving out <laughs> so so many of the things that Paramansa Yogananda you know knew about taught about and and uh, predicted and it's encouraging um, to to know that we can make that kind of change yeah. and um, it really doesn't take too long uh, in in a period of of dedicated practice to to begin to notice those kinds of uh, positive changes. And, you know, throughout my time with you, um, you know, you have really emphasized the importance of a steady meditation 
practice, and um, and I'm I'm guessing that that was uh, something that you know your teacher really encouraged in you. We we, we when I was with him, we we uh, were encouraged to meditate every day, at least once a day, early in the morning, and uh, also if we could fit it into our schedule in the evening. And then sometimes on weekends or special occasions, have longer sessions. Uh, the average person can meditate 20 to 30 minutes with benefit, uh, morning and or evening. And But then on uh, occasion, like on a weekend or a special auspicious day or that significance for them, meditate an hour, hour and a half and have an opportunity to really get, have in-depth experience. For most people, it, it isn't necessary to meditate for two or three hours at a, at a time every day because most people, beginning people at least, if they try that, if they aren't highly motivated, after a while they will, they, they will, they will experience a sense of, uh, of lethargy and passivity where they're just sort of hanging out in the silence, watching their thoughts and moods, and nothing nothing of any real value is happening. So it's better to meditate for, say, 20 minutes and be alert. That's the key, to be alert. I'm, I'm sure you, you see seen in the news and media, even on the newsstands today, the last several months, they get big emphasis on what is called mindfulness. And, and all that is is just being being alert and and aware in the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, it's nothing new. It's been emphasized by uh, spiritual teachers, enlightenment teachers for centuries. But it's just a matter of being present, alert, right where we are, ob- observing, and and not overly identified and caught up with what's happening, and uh, just. Just be there, observe. Just being present. And, you know, we're we're just about to come to the conclusion of our, our, our program this morning, but I, I do have time for, for one more question All for right. you, um, if you can tell us. Um, what would you say is the most important lesson you learned from Paramahansa Yogananda? Probably the most important, important lesson was uh, he taught me when I well two uh, two lessons when I first had my first interview with him uh, on Christmas Day in 1949. After our short discussion together, he concluded the conversation by saying, "Read a little." He'd already advised me what to read. Read a little, meditate more, think of God all the time. And then about the three weeks before he passed, I was visiting with him, and uh, it was evening, we were in the living room of his house, and uh, we talked for an hour or so, I let him do more. I found out it was always better to let him do the talking, not to do much, do much talking myself. And he concluded, this, concluded that evening with this final advice, he said, don't allow your mind to be troubled by what others do or don't do. And don't look back. Don't look to the left or right. Look straight to the to the goal, meaning self-realization and liberation of consciousness. And you go all the way. Wake up completely. 
in this incarnation, and you can do it. That's how he talked to me. He was always positive, encouraging, and advising me to 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 aspire to complete awakening mm. and to stay stay on that path and not be distracted from it. And stay focused on the goal. And, of course, that beautiful encouragement mm-hmm. that you, you can do it, um, um, that you, of course, have passed on uh, to me and to, to students um, for many years, that because that uh, same self, that same divine essence is in everyone. And uh, it has been uh, such a joy to share this yoga hour with you. And I thank all of our listeners today for joining me with Roy Eugene Davis, an internationally known spiritual teacher and author, publisher of Truth Journal magazine. And you can find out more about Mr. Davis and his uh, retreats that he offers in his retreat center in Lakemont, Georgia, his books and publications at csa-davis.org. Thank you so much, Roy, for being here today. Thank you, and my love to you and all all of our listeners. Thank you. We're so looking forward to you joining us at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, in just two weeks. Um, This uh, program, if you're listening in uh, current time, is uh, today is March 7th, 2019. And on March 23rd, Mr. Davis will be offering an all-day meditation seminar and introduction uh, to Kriya Yoga practices on that day. And the evening before, he'll be with us for an informal conversation. talk. And you can find out about those programs by visiting our website at csecenter.org. And next week, Mr. Davis will be back on the Yoga Hour with my co-host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. So tune back in next week and you can hear more um, about the life of Paramahansa Yogananda. My thanks um, to the Yoga Hour team and uh, to uh, Jeff Comfort, who is joining us in the sound booth um, from Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour. Remember, please, to share uh, with others. Invite them to um, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes or Stitcher. Remember the truth of your being. Let your inner light shine into the world. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.